In December of 2019, a new tax law was signed called the SECURE Act, and there was also a series of tax extenders. The law has some significant provisions that you should be aware of, and I will highlight what I believe to be the most pertinent ones to taxpayers' and businesses' retirement plans. Welcome to the Accounting Tips for Entrepreneurs podcast. My name is Jeff Skolnick, and I am a CPA with 35 years of experience working with small business owners, entrepreneurs, and network marketers on how to make their business more successful by understanding how taxes can work in their favor and not hurt their business. Each and every week, I'm going to come to you with short, quick, and helpful tips on not only how to make sure you are doing everything possible to minimize your income tax liability, but also how to create the income for your business that you truly deserve. As I stated in the opening, in December of 2019, President Trump signed into law the SECURE Act and a series of tax extenders. The law has some significant provisions that you should be aware of, and I will highlight what I believe to be the most pertinent to taxpayers and business retirement plans. Again, as I stated, some of the most notable provisions of the law occur in retirement arena, so let's explore some of the most significant ones. The SECURE Act eliminated the stretch provision on inherited retirement accounts. For individuals that passed away before 2020, beneficiaries were able to take required minimum distributions, also known as RMDs, based on their life expectancy. If these individuals were young, these distributions could have been taken over many years, thus stretching the period when the individual would pay income taxes. Now, RMDs are amounts required to be taken by individuals from retirement plans in a year. The way most retirement plans are structured is an individual or company takes a deduction for a retirement contribution when made, let's say in 2019. While the individual employee or self-employed individual will not pay income tax on this money until sometime down the road when they withdraw the principal and any earnings associated with the account. The tax code has a provision that's stated until the SECURE Act that minimum required distributions in most cases must start at age 70 and a half. This has now been changed to age 72 and I'll give you a little bit more on this in a little bit. The distributions are taken by dividing your your retirement accounts by your life expectancy. There are tables that provide your life expectancy. So let's say your retirement plan has $100,000 and your life expectancy according to the tables is 25 years. In this case, you would be required to take a $4,000 distribution and pay income tax on the amount. Keep in mind, you can always take out more than the minimum amount, but many individuals like to leave as much as possible in the retirement, let it grow tax deferred, and take as needed. The penalty for failing to take an RMD is 50%. This makes this provision one to watch very closely. Now, what I mean by leaving the money in to grow is Um, This income is not tax exempt, it's tax deferred, meaning that a corporation or business will get a deduction or even a self-employed individual will get a deduction. Currently, the money will not, no income tax will be paid on the funds until, as I said, they're taken from the retirement funds. So again, the tax is deferred to years down the road uh, and the money is allowed to grow tax-free, which allows it to grow much quicker 
And then what happens is at a certain point in time, the government says, all right, now we need to collect money. And again, that age used to be 70 and a half. Generally, there were some exceptions to it. And that's now been changed to 72. However, again, once this person passed away, if the money was left to a, a, a beneficiary um, that was younger, they were able to stretch the amount over a longer period of time. The advantage of this is that you could defer the tax even longer. And I'm going to go through a little bit here. Again, as I stated earlier, prior law allowed non-spouse beneficiaries to stretch the retirement funds over their lifetimes. So if the person inheriting the funds was young, the RMDs could stretch over many years. Let's say the person was 33 years old, they could stretch it for almost 50 years and almost 68 years for someone 15 years of age. So this results in the government waiting many years to collect income tax on retirement funds. The new law requires non-spouse designated beneficiaries in most cases to take all the retirement funds within 10 years. This can have a significant effect on the beneficiary. If the beneficiary is young, not only are they paying tax on all the inherited money within 10 years, but in addition, they are very possibly working a full-time job and therefore the additional income may be taxed at a higher rate because they may be in a higher rate now then if you stretched it over their lifetime and part of it may be taken when they're retired. So it's it's definitely a moneymaker for the government and something to be aware of. Now, there are some beneficiaries um, that are not subject to the new legislation. They are the biggest one is a surviving spouse. And a surviving spouse is pretty much always allowed to take the money, put it into their own IRA account and not have to deal with it until they uh, reach the age uh, of having to take out RMDs, which again has been changed to 72. If you have a child that has not reached the age of majority, they don't have to take it out over 10 years. Again, once they hit the age of majority, then they're subject to the same rules. An individual considered disabled doesn't have to follow the 10-year rule and a chronically ill individual. And then the last exception has to do with somebody who's less than 10 years um, younger than the uh, deceased. So, a couple of positive outcomes, I mean, now that I gave you the negative ones where the government's going to try to collect your money a little bit quicker, uh, a couple of positive outcomes in the retirement area of RMDs will now, is that RMDs will now begin at age 72 instead of age 70 and a half. And there's no longer an age limit for allowable IRA contributions. Prior to the law, taxpayers were not permitted to contribute to a traditional IRA after age 70 and a half. You are now allowed to do that. And again, for being able to put off your RMD another year and a half gives you a little bit more time for the money to grow tax deferred. So I do want to provide a warning here. As you know, I've previously covered taking your RMD for your IRA and directly donating it to a charitable contribution. This is called a qualified charitable distribution. If done properly, you would avoid picking up your RMD as taxable income and reporting your contribution as an itemized deduction. They would just offset each other. The advantage to this is you receive the deduction whether you itemize your deductions or not, and you also keep your adjusted gross income, or AGI, lower. And AGI is used in certain other calculations, such as medical expense deductions, which much, must exceed 7.5% of your AGI uh, in, in order to be considered deductible, or the taxability of Social Security benefits received. So there are advantages to keeping your, AG, your AGI lower. Now, here's what happens. If you make traditional IRA contributions after age 70 and a half, 
then you must reduce the amount of qualified charitable distribution allowed. So a quick example would be a taxpayer made IRA contributions of $6,000 per year for each of two years after reaching age 70 and a half. If that same taxpayer withdraws a $10,000 RMD and wants to donate it using a qualified charitable deduction, the deduction would have to be reduced by the $12,000 down to zero. Obviously, you're never going to go below zero. So this would require the taxpayer to show the $10,000 as retirement income and the $10,000 as itemized deduction for the charitable contribution. If the same taxpayer has another $10,000 RMD that they want to donate in the next year, it would have to reduce by $2,000 the RMD. That's the amount of the $12,000 remaining after we reduced it by $10,000 in the prior year. And then this would result in a taxpayer still being able to exclude $8,000 of RMD from their income and as an itemized deduction. The remaining $2,000 would be shown as income and a charitable contribution. So again, you may not get the benefit if you don't itemize. And again, your AGI would be a little bit higher, which could affect other calculations. So again, something just to be aware of. Um, On a good news front, there's an elimination of the 10% penalty for birth or adoption withdrawals. In most cases, when taxpayers withdraw retirement funds before age 59 and a half, they incur a penalty of 10% on top of paying federal income tax. The new law allows up to $5,000 to be excluded from this penalty if used within one year of the date of a birth of a child or the date of legal adoption becomes final. Again, you're still going to pay income tax when you pull the money out, but you're not going to pay the 10% penalty, which, which hurts quite a bit. Um, prior to the SECURE Act, taxable stipends and other amounts received by graduate or postdoctoral students were treated as taxable income on a tax return, but not allowed as earned income for purposes of allowing an IRA or a Roth IRA. So you weren't allowed to make an IRA or Roth IRA contribution, even though you were being taxed on these amounts. So the law was changed, and now you can use those amounts in order to qualify to take an IRA or a Roth IRA. Um, Small Employer Automatic Contribution Tax Credit. The businesses that establish or have previously established 401k or simple plans that cover 100 or fewer employees and implement an automatic contribution arrangement for the non-highly compensated individuals are eligible for a $500 tax credit for three years. Again, what what it means, uh, an automatic contribution tax credit means you set individuals up to automatically have a portion of their pay taken out for either a 401k or a simple plan. And again, businesses can earn Uh, a tax credit based on this. Um, There are also expanded tax-free Section 529 plan distributions. As you know, 529 plans have been around for quite a while, and there can be withdrawn tax-free money for qualified higher education expenses. These expenses include fees, books, supplies, and required equipment. The Tax Cuts and Job Act expanded allowable expenses to include up to $10,000 per year for expenses for an elementary or secondary public, private, or religious school. The SECURE Act allows for more tax-free distributions. These include an expanded definition for qualified higher education expenses to include an apprenticeship program registered and certified with the Secretary of Labor. 
the law now also allows a maximum of a $10,000 lifetime limit to be used to repay the principal and or interest payments of any qualified education loan of the registered beneficiary and his or her siblings. So the $10,000 limit is per person. Therefore, an individual with two siblings can withdraw $30,000 as a lifetime maximum to pay off $10,000 of principal and or interest of a qualified education loan of the beneficiary themselves and $10,000 for each of their siblings. So that's a pretty cool provision because uh, it allows you to use some retirement funds to actually pay down some education debt. Um, Qualified disaster distributions. If you reside in a federally declared disaster area that suffered economic loss, then you will be allowed to withdraw up to $100,000 from your retirement account for each disaster and you will not be liable for the 10% early withdrawal penalty. You will also be treated as taking this money rateably over a three-year period for tax purposes, which is good because, I mean, if you took out $100,000, the tax ramifications obviously are pretty steep for one year, even without a 10% penalty. You're also able to repay the distribution within a three-year period and thereby eliminate the income tax on the distribution. Extended plan adoption dates for employers. This is one... Um, that I think is a great provision and I'm very happy to see it in there. Most retirement plans adopted prior to 2020, although they were not required to be funded before year-end, had to be established before year-end. You're always allowed to do certain plans such as a SEP after year-end, but your options were severely limited if you didn't plan on this until after December 31st, assuming you were calendar year-end. The new law allows employers to the due date of their income tax returns, including extensions. So let's say we're taking an S-corporation that has a March 15th deadline. You have a six-month extension. You can have up till September 15th to establish a retirement plan. So it just gives um, employers a little more flexibility in in, uh, establishing a retirement plan. And because there are so many options in retirement plans out there today, I feel this is a really important um, provision of the law, and I think it's one that makes a lot of sense. So in conclusion, I want to say the SECURE Act provided many changes to retirement plans for employers, employees, and self-employed individuals. This is a recap of what I feel are the most significant of these provisions. There are others. And because of that, I urge you, as always, to consult with a tax professional well-versed in the new law. Thanks again for listening to the Accounting Tips for Entrepreneurs podcast. If you could please head over to Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or Spotify and leave me a five-star rating and write a review. Also, please connect with me on social media. If there are any tax or accounting-related topics you would like me to cover, please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. If you are that small business owner or entrepreneur that really wants to learn more about how to minimize your tax liability and maximize your income, just head over to www.jeffcpaworld.com and I'll see you over there. Have a great day.